0: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: my God. I see Girl Shanti, and it's Antoinette, and you are listening to Around, Around the, the Way, Way Curls. Curls. We are two Philly-bred best friends who strive to produce content that is authentic, unapologetic, and exalting of the magic we see in ourselves and in you.
2: Join us as we oscillate between love and light and money and dicks, because Because duality duality is a thing. For quiet black girls, the world is afraid that your silence is summoning the riot within, preparing to overthrow the tyranny that refuses to see you, Invisible until you won't see them, won't bend and lift their comfort, carrying it all up on your back. Where do black women go when they go quiet? A watercolor in her chest, a garden in her mouth, resting her mind, building a fortress around her peace in a world that won't show up in the same way, where reciprocity is privilege. Go ahead, black girl, build a world in quiet. Listen to the God within. Go ahead, black girl. Find your first voice before the world ran interference on your thoughts. Go ahead, black girl. Turn your cape into a pillow. Go ahead, black girl. Start a riot if you choose to. They know you could light a match with your tongue. Go ahead, black girl. Run and we'll follow.
1: Thank you. Thank um, you. I have the privilege of sitting with Miss Julia Mallory. We are, it's just the two of us today. Um, Julia is a poet. A poet first, yes. A poet, well you, 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 you lay down the list of, in order of who you are and how you show up. Oh goodness, um, who am I? I am
2: a daughter, I am a mother, um, I'm a friend, I'm a sister. Um When it comes to my works, I would say I am a creative. Um, poetry is my first love. I'm also a children's book author,
1: um, and I hit up a brand called Black Mermaids, Black Mermaids. So Julia came to the Sable Collective years ago, maybe like it was like a year ago, it wasn't years ago. <laughs> um, when that we were at our original location, um, actually, that's not how we met. Yeah, we met we at Black met Star. We met at Black Star Film Festival. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm vending at Black Star Film Festival. <laughs> it was a rainy, awful start. It was I a was, monsoon. I was setting up all by myself. Yes. Finally set up. The sun broke through. And this super cheerful, warm person walks over to me you know, is excited about all the items that we have, and also is, like, down to collab. I could tell immediately, you were Mm. like, listen, we should get together. I love your stuff. This is what I'm doing. And I was like, great. And then you followed through. Mm -hmm. You had your first pop-up. I don't know if it was your first, but you had a pop-up at the Save Collective. That was October 2018. Wow. Yeah. That's where we... Okay. Yes. I forgot about that. Um, And Julia has an amazing brand called Black Mermaids. Can you talk about Black Mermaids and the significance of that? Sure, Black Mermaids is um a
2: it started out really as a concept um I was on vacation in Puerto Rico with my best friend in 2013 and this idea came to me that like what if our enslaved ancestors, the ones that were aboard slave ships that jumped overboard um or were thrown overboard when they hit the water, they in turn became mermaids. Mm. Um and so it's kind of this Reimagining also of like what it means to be resilient for Black mm. folks across the diaspora. So, um, all I was trying to do at first, I thought I was going to write a travel essay mm-hmm. about my experience, and then at some point, it became a poem, um, and then, you know. I, I wanted my first collection to come out in 2016, and talking to my friend, I was down between two titles, uh, or caught between two titles, and I asked her, like, hey, which one do you think? And she's like, I think you should just do Black Mermaids, because that, she's like, I feel like I have not heard that, and I think that is something that will resonate with people. And yeah. so, I had c- copies in hand first.
1: Of the, right, book. Of you're the talking book. about the book. Okay. Yeah. So, that's, this, so that's, yeah. that's, that is That's the first how uh, Black Mermaids became a Manifestation be or creation or product, quote, yes. unquote, of what came from Black Mermaids was your collection of poetry. Yes. Okay. All I was
2: trying to do was just be a poet with a okay. book. Okay. All right.
1: Yes. Okay. So, Black Mermaids, poet, creative, mother, daughter, amazing being. Am I missing anything else? I don't know. That's good. That's I mean- good. <laughs> um, and so, today, we're kicking off the new year, um... A lot of people start the new year with these resolutions that we have. We want to kind of like be our best selves, be Mm -hmm. our new selves. And so I thought it would be wonderful to have you as our first guest of the year. um, Thank you. I'm honored. And talk about your journey and kind of your um, becoming. And it's just me and you. Antoinette is off. Okay. Um, and so we're going to talk about your story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn of your um, your story mm-hmm. when I first met you. Right. Um, I think it's when you came to Sable that you shared with me, you know, what had happened. And so Julia lost her son to gun violence in 2017 and again when i first met you you know some people you can you can feel the the heaviness mm-hmm. you know it's like on their back right um and the way that you 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 when we first met just your spirit your lightness your warmth your your generosity your cheerfulness um of course that's how you're presenting I, you know but i could still feel energetically i could feel or rather, energetically, it felt so juxtaposed to what you have experienced and what you experience every day. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely something to that. And I wanted to, I wanted you to share your story with folks. And um, you've just recently come out, and that's what you just shared, that beautiful, beautiful poem um, from your new book, Survivor's Guilt. Yes. Um so I I want us before we get into Survivor's guilt and, you know, all of that, I want you I want you to talk about just, you know, growing up. What was it like for you growing up? Mm-hmm. Where where did you grow up? Um mm-hmm. yeah, let's start with that. So I'm from I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania,
2: um and um Harrisburg is um at least it has been for the last oh my goodness, for at least the last uh, two decades. I call it the little chocolate city that tries. <laughs> we are a majority black city. Really, We are. I
1: had not known yes, that. Yes, people
2: always <laughs> are surprised to find that out. And so um, I grew up, I spent most of my early years, um, we lived in public housing. I grew up in the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always, you know, I'm a little, little hood girl, <laughs> um, little girl from the hood. And I was always like, super curious, um, was always a voracious reader. Um, you know, my father taught me how to read, I would say when I was around three. Um, so I always, and I felt like my family was always very encouraging and supportive of my, um, of the way my mind works Mm -hmm. and they like definitely, you know, always supported that even people in my hood supported it like I, I always was walking around with a book and they'd be like oh read something from that book girl yeah. like people were really like into that mm-hmm. <laughs> for me so um yeah I've always you know with my my parents you know really supporting that that gift in me um did you go to school school like in terms of like, like once you co- college, like in college yeah. How, yeah. so I, one of the the m- key parts of my life uh, Mm -hmm. or story is that I became a teenage mother when I was about it was a week before my 17th birthday that Mm -hmm. I gave birth to my son Julian Mm -hmm. and so that definitely you know I was terrified of being a a parent a teenage Mm -hmm. parent Um, just really you know being in that environment and you see how it just seems like it is so hard for folks to overcome yeah. that you know um that responsibility, and so I just was like, "Oh my goodness, like this is too much, like I don't know how I'm gonna do this um, but eventually, you know, I got my head on straight, and um uh went to summer school right after I had Julian, he was born in May. Summer school, you know, was started in June, and so I had enough of credits that I was a senior, like, right on time when I was supposed to be. Um, eventually, um, I, did, I did go to college. Um, I have a bachelor's degree, and then, um, I think in 2007, I started grad school and graduated. Wow. Um, yeah. Gra- go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah. Graduated from, um, from Eastern University. I'm um, in 2009.
1: What was motherhood like for you? Your your first introduction, 17 baby boy was was what was the f- I guess, the family dynamic first. Were you doing this by yourself? Definitely my f- my son's father at the time. He was incarcerated.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom was super supportive. My family was super supportive. Um, you know, I was still living at home. So my mom was, like, very helpful mm-hmm. and you Held know down. was always, you know, Julian was, <laughs> she always had him. She was, like, super happy to be a grandma. She was always carrying his big behind in this, like, <laughs> car seat. Um, yeah, like, it was... It was cool in a sense. You know, I was still young, still trying to like figure things out yeah. for myself. And yeah. then to be quite honest, like when I graduated from high school, I was pregnant with my daughter. Mm-hmm. So um, I had my daughter when I was, um, I think 18. So, so they're, they're
1: like a year. And they're like
2: 16 months apart. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So having like, I had two kids in diapers at the same time. Yeah. We were still at my mom's. Um, but I just knew like, like I need more, like you know, I I was because honestly you I need was, more what need more kids or you need no, more I needed more out of life than just kids. Okay, you needed more. Right, I needed more out of life so that I can support my kids yeah. and you know not have them you know burdened by these choices that I have made. You know, kind of coming into unprepared, you know, motherhood at such a young age. So, um,
1: so was your father around to help at that time? No, my father
2: passed away when I was 13. Okay. Yeah. unexpectedly. Um, and so, yeah, so my father, it was just my mom. And
1: it sounds like you guys were tight. We We were, we were close, you know,
2: at times, you know, we had a complicated relationship just because of things he was working through his own challenges. But, um, yeah, I was definitely a daddy's girl, like without a doubt, like I'm named after, um, my, fa- my dad's favorite person in the world was his grandmother, and her name was Julia. I'm named after her. I so, see. yeah. All
1: right. So then you have two kids, seven, yeah.
2: 18. 18. My daughter was born in October. But, like, over that time, I'm like, I'm getting myself you together. Getting I'm school, going to together. college. Yeah. Like,
1: so it, you're, you're, the survival mode kicks in full gear. Like, yeah, holy. because I just never, yeah. I don't
2: feel like I was ever, um,
1: in my mind, I was always
2: going to college, like I was always going to do something great. Yeah. Like it wasn't like something that was foreign to me. Now I just had to figure out how to make it happen with these new circumstances that yeah. I hadn't calculated into that plan. Right. <laughs> so um daughters born in October. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start college. I'm gonna start, you know, our area community college um, come January. And um, mm. that's what I did. You know, I- That's miraculous. Listen, I, I had to get at my mama's house.
0: <laughs> like,
2: I just, that just not, that's not what I saw for myself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. just.
1: Um, Shout out to mom for holding it down. No, though. absolutely. You Listen, know? my
2: mom has been like a miracle worker and yeah. has been, you know, you know, because even when you have your children, whether you're married, uncoupled, partner, par- co-parenting, like we're not like you can't. It's you I mean, anybody can do anything by themselves, I guess. No, but, but it is very yeah, difficult. It's very
1: difficult and very lonely and mistakes are made. You and need stressful. That, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, and so, you know, just having someone that has your back. Yeah. You know, uh my daughter's um my daughter's family, like they were also like the, Super support. Okay. Yeah, her yeah. grandparents as well.
1: Nice. So just so knowing you had the support system. Yeah. Knowing and, I had to go to the And the ambition yeah. to 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 thrive. Yes. Shout out to you. Yeah. So tell me about Julian. Yeah. Who, who was <laughs> so Julian?
2: Julian, um, I don't know. He was just always just a low ball of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves sports, like, and he didn't get that from me because I'm not like Mm-hmm. An athlete, like I, I remember trying out for the basketball team, like in eighth grade, just so I can get. And once I got the sneakers, I like quit the team. <laughs> like, like I never was an athlete. You know what I mean? Like, I enjoy physical play, but yeah. But this kid, he always from the time he was, he had use of his fine motor skills. He always had a ball in his hand. Um, he was a Taurus.
1: Oh, yeah. Our and you're a Taurus, yeah. As well. Birthdays four I feel days like apart. that's something that I have to do now. In all of my interviews with <laughs> people, any guests, you, gotta you guys, ideas. you got to share your son. Sign. Sign? So uh, yeah, it makes Yeah, you gotta get sense. The- <laughs> yeah. So, um, Julian, we were Julia Julian. I'm so yeah. slow. That just connected. No,
2: it's just so good. <laughs> it's so good. No, because I didn't know. I'm like, listen, I didn't even know what to name my kid. And my friend, we were like pregnant at the same time. Our kids are day apart, and she was like, "You should just name him Julian." And I'm like, oh, wow. Duh. Like, that makes perfect makes sense. Right. And I love that name. It's a beautiful <laughs> name. So, um, it is. But Julian was, he was an extrovert like me, mm-hmm. um, very much a people person. You know, when, you know, teenagers are teenagers, but he definitely, you know, he had a little rough side to him. But I was always amazed behind how, um, like, rough he could be, but how, like, nurturing he was. Mm-hmm. Like, he really liked little kids. Little kids really. Enjoy like playing with him and spending time with him. Um, he he also like he was also very intellectually curious, mm-hmm. but he wasn't like. A studious person, like he was, like I'm not just gonna be reading these books, mom. Like, you know, like that wasn't his thing, but he paid attention to stuff that was happening around Mm -hmm. us, and he very much clued into like current events, and so that's one thing I really miss because he would definitely be like, "Oh, mom, did you see that? Like, that's crazy," Mm -hmm. you know. So Mm -hmm. I miss being able to have those type of, you know, conversations. Child that spoke his
1: mind. Were you, was he like a mama's boy? Would you call him a mama's boy? But like, what was your relationship? Did you feel I felt like we to used him? to be Especially really close,
0: seven, like seventeen until we weren't close,
1: right? Right,
2: and so he became like a teenager, yeah. and then it was like very different, yeah. and um, you know, always because I was I was definitely raised by two old school black parents. In a sense. And so for me, you know, I kinda brought some of that over mm-hmm. into my parenting minus the whoopings. Um You didn't beat your kids? I did not. Oh, no, I think I did you, like really. snatch Julian up one time yeah. or two, but like not like, yeah, no, I, I um
1: you didn't pass it on. Breaking yeah. breaking the curse I, I break that
2: curse. Um I know <laughs> I didn't succeed in some other ones, but <laughs> but um Julian like his mind. Mm-hmm. It's pretty unfiltered in that way. We were close, like I said, at some point, but then like he became a teenager and I it's think inevitable. it was kind of hard because like the only reason why I brought up the old school thing was because it was like, oh, I'm not going to just be like one of your little friends, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the things, too, as a black woman, as a single black mother that's raising a black boy of an incarcerated black man, mm-hmm. like you're trying to constantly keep your kids safe and you're trying yeah. to constantly let them know all these things um, that aren't going to fly because you don't want them to befall similar right. circumstances. Right. right. So you have, like, all these, like, extra pressure, it feels like, um, you know. To protect. To protect your kids. Yeah. And so in some ways, like, in hindsight, I wish, like, maybe um, I wasn't as, like, Rough sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't know, I think I was somewhere in the middle, like I know I definitely wasn't like at the extreme with it, um but also like kids, you know teenagers, I was a teenager yeah. you know when we parented yeah, you're like, I no, got this like, like yeah, I know everything, know, I know everything. so um but no, Julian was um he was a he was a gifted athlete for sure. um he loved the game of football and basketball. he was super passionate about it. Um he was a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. A shout out to Philadelphia. Eagles. Yeah, so Eagles. everybody like, you know, we were like all everybody was like in extra tears after the Super Bowl win mm-hmm. because like, you know, they knew how much uh, of a fan he was and oh. you know, he didn't get to see the win. Um so yeah, I mean, that's a little bit,
1: you know, about my kid. And so I know you have, you know, the he was he was murdered, so there's a lot of legal things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you you know what you can and cannot say, but can you explain what happened? Can you explain the day that you found out that your your son was shot?
2: Yeah, I mean, so for the most part, I feel like I could pretty much say whatever because it's all public record. (laughs) It's all public record. Um, But it was like a few days after Memorial Day and, um, you know, just coming back from like being away, probably had just like one of the most wonderful times that I've had. <laughs>
1: um, you went away on your own. Yeah, I okay. went away with my. Is own, this my you went own. to the beach and all that? We like.
2: I I went like on a little like.
1: I'm sorry. This yeah, is it, not. It, it's, it's you know, That's neither here than there. I thought it was in connection to the Black Mermaid, but that was 2013. No, no, no. Yeah, that's yeah, right. a different times. So he was already on it. Okay.
2: Coming home, you know, getting settled. Um, I was out shopping with my youngest son, and we had just got back in the house literally had just sat down to eat our food.
1: So just to be clear, you have you have 3 kids. I have
2: 3 k- children total, yes. Mm-hmm. Um Julian was the was the oldest. oldest. Yeah. And then
1: you have a daughter and then you have a, a young son. Yeah, okay. a younger son. And All so right.
2: sitting down to eat, my daughter's in the kitchen and she's like, "Mom, um, Julian's been shot," is what she says. She just had got a text message from one of her friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, "What?" Right, so then, just very quickly, like she's trying to ask questions. The kid is like, "I don't really know," but call this number, call this number. I'm talking to this woman on the phone. She's like telling me, "This is the person that he's with when it happened." She's telling me like whatever she's saying, um, but she's saying like, "Oh, you know, he got shot in his arm or whatever." Um. So I don't have any. You know, I don't know. In hindsight is kinda wild because everything like I guess with them kinda happens so fast. But this idea, like she said he got shot in his arm. So even still knowing how gun gunshots work, like knowing that there is no good gunshot, right? Like mm-hmm. it can still do
0: yeah, crazy things to yeah. our bodies.
2: But I'm still feeling hopeful though, because I'm like, it's it's just yeah. to his arm.
0: Yeah.
2: Um but, you know, the kind of panic is starting to settle in. My mom lives right around the corner from me, so I call her, tell her what's happened. I'm like, okay, we're going to go to the hospital, Um, but we're calling around, and we can't. Like, they're like, no, he's not here. He's not here. Every hospital we call. Um, mm. <clears throat> but, come, you know, turn to find come to find out that basically because he's a, um, a victim of violence that they have to like basically protect his identity. I so see. they were saying, you know, even when we found the hospital he was at. So we're like, okay, we clearly know he's at this hospital. So we go down there and... Um, and I'm still, you know, in my mind, like at first going in, thinking it is a gunshot wound to his arm, but, but it started taking so long. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, we, yes, we have him. And they had a chaplain come and, like, escort us. And he was like, I could do whatever, you know, whatever y'all need. You know, I can help out with those details and communicating back and forth. Um, but time just keeps going on. And so at that point, I knew, like, something's not right here this clearly is not just it's like hour, it's, two it's hour's a it's a couple hours at two this hours. point
1: mm-hmm. yeah who was with
2: you um who was with me my mom my sister um I'm trying to think who else I might have called during that time that part I, I honestly don't out. remember mm-hmm. I think my ex uh who who was Julian's stepfather you mm-hmm. know who was in Julian's life since he was like 18 around. 9 months old was also present mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. So then the doctor comes out, um black woman neurosurgeon or, or or surgeon, she comes out and she says, um, you know, I'm Dr. so and so and um you know, I just want to I want to talk to you and you know, can we go in the little? They have like little. Would you like to go in the little counseling room? Like absolutely. So she's like, just want to let you. You know, one of the things, Miss Mallory, I just really have to talk to you about is that. Um, from my understanding, you believe that Julian has been shot in his arm, and I want. I just have to tell you that that is not what happened. Julian. Um, Julian was actually. Um, he was actually shot in the face. And the gunshot, like, like, kind of, like, went upward. And that basically, you know, in our, in our, in our brains or in our, our heads, we have these four key arteries that uh, transfer, you know, mm-hmm. um, blood back and forth. And so, in Julian, we know that absolutely two of those have been severed, including his spine.
0: Mm.
2: Um, one we're not so sure of, and the one is intact. And so basically those injuries are irreparable is what she's saying. And she's like, and in fact, he um they're trying to stabilize him. Um you know, we're like we're trying to like even stabilize him to see if we can get him into like um I think it would be a CAT scan to kind of see everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um she was like, "We would, if you would like to see him, because we still honestly are still working on him, but if you would like to see him, you can come see him. So, yeah, that's what happened. I I did get a chance to see him, and Julian was basically on life support for four days. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah. And then you had to make a decision. Yes. Yeah. And so, from what I remember you telling me, you don't have to go into the cause of it, but it Mm -hmm. was I mean all non- all violence is nonsense right. but it was it was fuckery like pure it was it was nonsense. sheer
2: nonsense it was you know ridiculous family drama with some of his friends he goes down there with these people that he's cool with um you know like literally it was his friend was beefing with her aunt um who was you know in her 30s and She apparently was known for, like, you know, walking around with her gun and all of that. And so, in that instance, it's just like, oh, just somebody who's waiting for an opportunity Mm -hmm. to be, because they have a licensed gun. But Mm -hmm. the thing is that people don't understand is it's because you're licensed to carry, you still have a certain responsibility. Of course. And so, in in her instance, um, she didn't exercise. The appropriate judgment or the mm-hmm. responsibility, and so that's why she was faced
1: with legal consequences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, for, of which she's incarcerated now. Currently, yes, currently for. And so, Julie, you got two kids. Yeah, this is this happens to you, mm-hmm. and you have to wake up. Mm-hmm. And how old is
2: your youngest? My youngest, Kareem, is um, ten. He'll be eleven this year.
1: So he was like eight when that happened mm-hmm. and so you know eight-year-olds still need a lot of care and they still mm-hmm. need a lot of constant um attention and so this time what 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 do you do like give me your process of those three months after your your baby's taken from you mm-hmm. and you got to go to you got to you ain't independently wealthy unless you're hiding something from me. But like, (laughs) (laughs) the survival mode kicks in in a different, for me and my perception, it it kicks in in kind of like overdrive, right? Because it's like, you got to keep yourself together. You got to take care of these kids. You have an eight-year-old that has to like, I don't know. Did you feel protective of how your other two children were processing everything and so what what w- was it like? What
2: happened to me right away once I realized like this is not gonna end the way that we want it to end, right? So I realized while we were still in the hospital, to be honest, that I gotta make a choice right now. Like to be honest, like I'm gonna have to decide that I'm going to try and have some sort of life. Mm-hmm. Um Because it's so easy to not, like, it's so easy to slip just into that deep despair. Not that there is anything wrong with that, right? And that's why I try to be very careful when I talk about this because I am grateful every day that I get to be up, upright, and full of light. Mm -hmm. Like, because this is, and it still feels like in some ways it's a miracle, and sometimes I feel like I've like a freak show to be honest, because it's just not like
1: the lightness that you that you have,
2: or just yeah, just being able to just kind of be like, oh, this is a normal thing that I'm coming to do, like despite everything that has just happened, yeah, you know less than three years ago,, yeah. but I, back to like I literally just made a choice and was like, I do want to live, and I do want."
1: So not only did you have to make a choice Mm -hmm. about your son Mm -hmm. and when he was going to have to, you would, you know, he would have to transition, Mm -hmm. but you, during that, in those waiting rooms, those Mm -hmm. hours by yourself, you were considering your own life. Your life was on the
2: line in some ways. Yeah. And I will say, I definitely, thank God I was not by myself. Like my family was there with me for days like we were camped out in the hospital um like they you know folks were present his friends came you know people were visiting you know with him um so yeah like i think just knowing that people who had my back also helped a lot like i didn't feel like i was alone um even physically or in spirit and you know the one of the Physicians, one of the surgeons told me, You know, Miss Mallory, we honestly think we lost him. You know, we honestly think we lost his spirit out in the field, basically. Mm. Um, But because of technology, we're able to, we still have his body. Mm. We honestly think his spirit has already left. Wow. And so. Did you feel that at all? I did. Yeah. I did, to be honest. but just having time to spend with his body, yeah. with the illusion that it had life in it, yeah, like, I needed that. And you talked to him? Yes, I yeah. talked to him. I read to him. Oh. Um, one of our favorite books was Tiki Tiki Timbo. And so... Like I read that story to him and because people, you know, our bodies do things on their own. And so, of course, when people are coming in and they're seeing those signs, like they were very confused Mm -hmm. by it. Um, Because there would be responses. What they would think would be responses. And um, but I honestly never saw any responses. Mm -hmm. And like I talk about in the book, part of me is like, you know, not to discount what they saw, but, you know, like, damn, maybe I didn't see those responses because it would be more confusing for yeah. me to make that decision. Yeah. Or, and I'm not going to lie, the guilt part was like, maybe I didn't see those responses because he was mad at me or like, oh, you know, but yeah. I eventually I work, you know, through that part. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then you decide, you know. There will be life. Yeah. And there will be light uh-huh. for yourself. Yeah. And so again, I'm sorry to go back to that. Yeah, no.
2: Those uh it was rough, you know, without a doubt. Like just um I didn't go home right away. Like I was away from the house for at least a solid week. It was just really hard to like when that Monday when I we got the call about what happened to him, you know, just that morning I you know When I came home, like, I picked up his clothes, you know, his his Jordans out of the bathroom, you know, his little gray sweatshirts, like, all his crap is in the bathroom. So just going to the house and just his smell, like, I could not do that right away. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful, again, friends and family, like, stepping in financially, like, helping me out in that way so I didn't have to go home. Um... But I made a decision, and I definitely just worked my way through it. You know, definitely those first couple of months were very difficult. Just um, Julian was a noisy child. That's one thing that I left out. Like, my loudest child. Like, um, big personality, just loud. His body, just the way he moved, he was just loud. Mm -hmm. So just even adjusting to that silence in the Mm -hmm. house. You know what I mean? Just knowing that, like, our screen door is a little, like, off kilter and so just knowing that like it took me a minute to realize that like he's not like that's not him coming through the door Uh you know um first couple Mm -hmm. months I also had these like really really vivid dreams but Julian didn't come to me right away um it was it was a while like I think almost a year Mm -hmm. before Julian actually came to me in a dream um but, yeah, I just had to make that choice because I, like, I didn't want to give up. You know, I didn't want to give up. Um, For Why? Why didn't you want to give up?
1: It's, because just you because have all the reasons. Julian had a fighting
2: that, spirit, to be yeah. honest. Like, Julian just, like, you know, he was just a bold type of person. He had a fighting spirit. Um, and he probably got that from possibly you yeah. possibly and <laughs> then you your know, but i just think because the way that i am like i was a little bit more reserved than yeah. him like even though like we're kind of very similar so i just was like you know i do want to live this big old life that my son will not get a chance to live mm. you know he mm. was a very entrepreneurial spirit child um he was smart he didn't enjoy school at all like perfectly could have you know, and that was hard for me as a person, as a kid. Like, I absolutely love school. Like, I love these books. I You're love these literate. books. Like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, how, like, I love reading. And I have these kids who are just like, mom, like, I really <laughs> read to us. But after that, yeah. like, that's all good. So I just felt like like living and trying to honor somebody that had really big dreams. And I know, because I had, um, in 2015... I'm sorry, 2016, I had got laid off for my third job in a row. And when I was telling Julian about this, he was like, oh, yeah, man, we're done with that. Like, we're done with jobs at that level. Like, <laughs> this is what he's saying to me. And at the time, I am like laughing. But then I was kind of intrigued by yeah. the fact that, like, he even spoke those words. Yeah. You know what I mean? Basically, he was telling me not to keep settling. Yeah. And so, again, just using that in my own way of understanding and just saying, like, I want to be able... To be a mom or this person that my son could be proud of, um, and that is in some ways like, how can I honor him, you know?
1: So, I'm I'm go- circling back to your beach moment, 2013. Uh-huh. You write your collection of poetry, Black Mermaids. Was that the beginning for your healing process? Is is the is Julie the loss of your son? a part of the continuum of the healing process that was started around there, or was the loss of your son the start of your healing process? Because,
2: you know, there's layers. There's definitely layers. I do it. think in that book I was able to put things in there that I might not have wanted to publish, because, you know, I went through a really bad breakup around that time, like coming back from the... um. From the trip, like that was in 2013. Mm-hmm. So like my life was just like radically shifting. Mm-hmm. Then I got laid off from these three jobs in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the collection came out a day before Thanksgiving in 2016, I definitely was in a different hit space and just saying, look, like life is going to do what it's going to do. Like what am I trying to do with myself? Um, and once I put that book out in the world, like it just completely changed my life to be honest, like, and that's separate even from what happened with Julian. Um, Losing Julian and having something that was becoming Black Mermaids, it gave me a place to be able to, a place to put my healing, a place to kind of build this thing up, to put light out into the world Mm -hmm. through my work. Mm -hmm. And so... um, yeah, it's kind of it was definitely in stages. You
1: you yeah, you were you had a little foundation to yes. to help you. Yes. You know, cuz I think if you can correct. me, we can go into this um a little bit later, but you had to learn how to to care for yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And, and 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 soothe yourself and be with yourself in ways that a lot of people don't have the I would say the opportunity to um So that's what's crazy,
2: because literally, you know, after Julian's passing, like, I really isolated myself. And I know that was really hard for my family and my friends, because they felt like, like, we want to be there for you. And I just really had to be by myself. I really had to process things. I had to be able to soothe myself. Mm -hmm. I had to, because also, um, I try not to really use the term, like, I'm not even going to say it, actually, so... (laughs) That's how much I'm not going to use it. One of the things, it's so easy sometimes to want to protect the people around us. And I knew that I I had to be in touch with my own feelings. Because it would be so easy when everybody else is super sad to be able to displace my feelings in lieu of theirs. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, look, I'm going to care for these people. But I'm not caring for myself because... Hey, I'm the strong one. Yeah. So let me tend to other people's needs, and you, I just you need,
1: chose the pillow and not the cake. I
2: chose the pillow and not the cake. When you said that, I was yeah. like, Oh my god! Yes, oh I chose. the... God. Oh my god! Yeah, I love the way you <laughs> frame that. I, cho- I chose, chose the, the pillow. pillow and not the cake. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: What when he came to you a year later? Mm-hmm. What what happened? What did he say? It wasn't um. It wasn't really
2: anything it was just him in a dream. Him in a dream with this friend, um, who had been close to who would come by the house and I see them too and they're just, you know, don't kidding around like they did. And I go to like look again and it's just like a spot of light, like mm-hmm. on the sidewalk where he was standing. Mm-hmm. Um I had the most vivid dream of him two years later when we were going through the trial. Um and in that dream, you know, he's basically like yelling out to me, Mom, I love you. Mm. And um, I'm, you know, in the dream, it's you ever been caught between a dream before and mm-hmm. like waking up and you can hear yourself, mm-hmm. but you yeah, yeah. still in your dream? Mm-hmm. So, and in the dream, I'm yelling back to him, son, I love you. And it's I'm sleeping beside my partner and he's like, like I can hear the words trapped in my mouth. And he's like, Yeah, you're like you. Clearly, we're talking in this dream, but he can't hear mm-hmm. that I'm saying mm-hmm. like it came out like gibberish, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And you, you've you told me before that he encourages you mm-hmm. and that I just, when, I when you feel him, he's like like
2: hype, like he's yeah. your hype man. Yeah. Basically, in my head, I just kind of think of him as my hype man, yeah. like cheering me on, you know, just like, yeah, like also just kind of. Because he definitely had, like, a little bit of, like, I mean, he definitely was a hype drone sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that definitely, um, you know, I definitely take, you know, some of that energy. And there was a situation, I forget exactly what it was, something I was celebrating, and I was in a really good space, and then I wasn't and my one of my friends said i think that's because maybe his spirit came he wanted to celebrate with you oh. and so his presence he like felt it, yeah. you felt the presence of him mm-hmm. he just wanted to be happy with you in that moment mm-hmm. and you felt his spirit mm-hmm. but unfortunately just that presence triggered that sadness in you and mm-hmm. i was like wow i like the way that mm-hmm.
1: that sounds mm-hmm. so yeah. with with the loss of your father at 13 mm-hmm. Um, somebody that you were close to, somebody mm-hmm. that you depended on in in many ways, mm-hmm. um, and then the loss of your son, who was dependent upon you in a lot of ways. Um, but to to to, I don't I don't know what you I don't know your experience with your father, but it feels like to me there is this continuous relationship that's still being had. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not like a boyfriend where you're like God oh, is dead and gone. Right. It's like it, this is this is still a a relationship that you have. How does that, what is your conception of death now? Are you scared of death? Are you, does it make you hold on more to life out of fear of death? Are you like, nah, this is like, oh, that's where it gets complicated. So
2: when you just said nah, it made me think of like this expression that I say, which is nah, this lifetime. And so for me, nah, what? Nah, this lifetime. Nah, this lifetime. This lifetime. So when my dad died, like, we weren't talking about grief. We weren't talking yeah. about counseling. We weren't mm-hmm. talking about therapy. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like I really didn't process my feelings around it. Like I really put up a wall. Did were you around it? or was it like I'm um, a I was funeral. sad? <laughs> I was shocked. I was angry. Yeah, you know, it was a lot of things. Um, but also like just that loss because I felt like he was one of the people that that could understand a lot of what was important to me Mm -hmm. in life. And so just not having a person, that connection anymore was very difficult. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I like to imagine, you know, my dad, Like, I always think, like, dad, what would it be like, you know, Mm -hmm. to just be with him now and really be old enough to have these, like, deep conversations Mm -hmm. and all those different things that I would envision that our lives could have possibly um, been like. Julian was also a lot like my dad, um, (laughs) which is a whole nother like, story. But so all of those things. But what does death mean to me now? Um say that i'm afraid of death i think i just want to make sure that the people around me that i'm like my kids that like if i pass that like they're straight you know financially like i don't want to leave like a financial burden Mm -hmm. to my kids in my absence Mm -hmm. but that's why i believe in like now this lifetime do i believe that we return as energy and other types of things possibly Mm -hmm. um but i don't it it doesn't manifest the same way, right? And so I feel like we have to do it in this lifetime while we have the most control. Mm -hmm. And so what am I trying to do? Like I'm trying to create an existence that I can be proud of and Mm -hmm. that gives me um, a safe place to land Mm -hmm. and reprieve from the madness of this world. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, I do like the idea that possibly someone will find my words in the future and be like, wow, you know what I mean? I see myself here.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. But I'm living that life now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm
1: trying to, like, do it, those things it now. It sounds like living. You know living. what I mean? It sounds like living. Yeah. I think so Not much- Not just surviving. No. Like I still want it's to like thrive. Life. Yeah. yeah. It's like experiencing the highest of highs that can mm-hmm. be had. And inevitably going through the lowest of lows. Because that shit is inevitable. Right. But, like- having a taste and a hunger and a passion right. and a fuel and a a great like being grateful right. and gracious. And um
2: so I think yeah. part of it is complicated too just kind of this idea that like because I inherited grief, you know, being a black woman, being a black mother. Mm. And so my, my grief is not grief. You, yeah, yeah, you know, my grief is not divorced from me being a black woman, right? Yeah. And so all the ways we're socially conditioned this idea that we have to give everything of ourselves. Mm. And so I'm trying like I am happy to be generous of spirit if it is in line with what I think is important to me mm-hmm. and I'm happy to share in what I can offer people that comes from an authentic place to Julia. Um, But I am not trying to sacrifice myself Mm, mm, or mm, martyr mm. myself under the guise of grief and helping people just to say that it's okay for me to still be happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens a lot of times that we want grieving people specifically we want grieving black women to be able to just give so much of themselves. Take Um, so much and then give so much. Take so much just so that like, 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 oh, it's okay for that woman to still have joy. Like, It's still okay for you to still experience pleasure. Yeah. Damn,
0: Julia. What? But
2: but (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why all of this became something that I processed through my grief, right, because, you know, I've been mothering, like, 2020, 20, 20 years, I've been, my 20th mother aunt, motherhood anniversary occurs this year, and it just blew my mind, too, I had to work through those feelings on my own right after my son passed, it blew my mind the ways in which, oh, I could still smile, I could still tell jokes, I could still laugh, oh, and then I can still be, like, over here crying, like, crazy, you know, Oh, and then in fifteen minutes I'm fine and I'm telling jokes again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that could feel like a lot emotionally for folks. Um, but I'm like, look, like this emotional pivot, we we're gonna have to do it because
1: we have to free ourselves. And from this the shit is not linear. It's literally not linear. It's not linear. And I think Desiree, we both know Desiree. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Nana Catherine's apothecary. Um Our girl. Desiree is such a uh it's such a relieving reality to think that two things can exist at once absolutely two three four four and people don't like yeah society doesn't let that either you happy or you're sad right either you're angry right or you're like you know i don't know the opposite of angry right? <laughs> depressed <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing and that's
2: why i and like, it's like no listen i'm I, even in the book i see Speaks specifically to the way the world tries to rob our humanity Uh. by curbing our emotionality, and I am like, look, like for me, I I'm putting on a t-shirt. It's like, look, I'm a still, I'm a still ride, even with tears in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, we can be multiple things at once, but I do definitely think it is complicated by obviously the world that tries to ride black people with their humanity. Yeah. And so if we can't process our feelings, if we can't acknowledge our feelings, then we have never can deal with them, mm-hmm. right? And we spend so much time denying our feelings, mm-hmm. come up with all types of fancy, clever sayings with all these memes and stuff to try and completely just divorce ourselves from the fact that we're human. Yeah, And it's like, no, yeah. I'm not above my feelings. Mm-hmm. Like...
1: And they're necessary, just like you're saying. And they're, they're, necessary. they're necessary. So then talk to me about your newest work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Survivors, Survivor's Guilt. And it's a collection of poems and essays. Mm-hmm. And um, first, what were you inspired by? Or rather, what brought it about? I assume your son's death, but mm-hmm. I don't want to make any assumptions. And then just kind of talk to me about what is Survivor's Guilt? you, right? So, I knew that when my son
2: passed, I mean, like, not like in the first week or something, but I was like, okay, I'm assuming I'm a writer once, because I definitely was throwing all of my creativity away. I was like, oh, I'm done with this, mm-hmm. right? I had a children's book that was supposed to come out right around the time that he passed, and I was like, oh, I'm good. And then I realized very quickly, like, oh, no, girl, you literally need this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you haven't lost it, because I know that there are definitely instances where people you know, go through a darkness where they can't access yeah. that creativity. Yeah. But my gift didn't leave me. And I was like, that's not by accident. And so you need to make that work for you. Um, So I knew I was going to write about it. I initially thought, <laughs> I thought I was writing this book. I don't know why I became fascinated with this idea that like, oh, how do, how do animals grieve? And like, I'm going to maybe write some, uh, write poetry. For the children's book? No, no, no. What was the first book that I was writing uh-huh. as far as, like, how did Survivor's Guilt come to be? Okay, okay. It started out okay, as okay. me wanting to write this book about how animals grieve. I see, I see. Yeah, that's how I started. Um, kind of also always had a fascination with uh, bees. And so once I kind of went down that path, I was like, yeah, that's not the book that wants to be written. Like, that's not the book I'm being called to, to write. And so let's kind of table that. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember the whole secession of how I specifically arrived that survivor's guilt, but what does survivor's guilt mean to me? Um, you know, survivor's guilt is basically when people have this feeling of guilt um, af- after surviving some sort of tragic circumstance um, and... My son's death exacerbated, I think, a certain survivor's guilt that I had, even just growing up, losing, like, childhood friends, Mm -hmm. um, people that I did the same stuff with, and kind of, like, our lives didn't turn out the same. Mm -hmm. And so that, for me, you know, has been something that's been weighing, like, that weighs on me a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then losing my son and just, like, because, you know, I gave birth to my son really young. And so even looking at, like, you know, Wow, we were like kind of a lot alike in some ways, right? Um and how was it that he didn't make it past mm. the same age that I gave birth to him? Yeah. And so that was very difficult. Um it still bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if I'll ever evolve out of just being able to feel that feeling like damn, this is very difficult. Like n- like just even um I don't know, I'm a person that's always looking for patterns. And so just that pattern with our age, you yeah, know, for sure. like all of that is just wrapped up into it. And then recently on another layer of survivor's guilt, more specifically parents, grieving parents, um, and knowing just how much that disrupts and destroys people. And I'm thinking about like um Atiana you know, Jefferson mm-hmm. who was um who was killed by a police officer, um, I believe in Texas, and her father passed away from yeah. a heart attack a right. few months after, yep. and then her mother just passed away. Wow. You know, um, they believe from a long term illness, but we clearly know, probably exacerbated by mm-hmm. by grief, right? Mm-hmm. So that to me, when you like Or when I walk, when I meet people who are grieving their children, Mm. and I still, you can see that. You can see that pain. You Mm -hmm. can see the their eyes are flat. You Mm -hmm. can see Mm -hmm. that like the death is on them. The death is still on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it and it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It
1: breaks your heart because you don't feel that way. So for me, and I don't know if if. are, are guilt and shame connected at all for you in this experience of survivor's guilt? No, I wouldn't say guilt and shame or not really. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just um, a question
2: of why Why did I... Yeah, the only shame... No, no, definitely. It's definitely more guilt. Yeah. It's definitely more guilt. Um, Like, why me? Yeah. Like, why do I get to be you know, counted among the living still mm-hmm. and being able to go out here and still do this work and still like literally
1: live, live. And and that's in connection to have pleasure, laugh. Yes. Be creative, continue to make love, continue right. to share love, continue to expand, you know? Right. So like, I can understand how that feels. Um, yeah, I, I I can understand that very clearly. Yeah, now, that that connection between the two of them. Um, so, the the book is just a collection of your process, you processing the loss of your son. Um, right. Although the the first poem that you just shared right. with us it's kind of like a universe there's a universality so and i
2: think grief is a universal yeah. you know experience anyway like mm-hmm. people grieving losing you know mourning the loss of things that no longer are um like grief is 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 also a universal emotion i share. shared so the poem not everything in here is like specifically biographical or about necessarily like my son's death um you know, there's a variety of other poems. You know, I also have a poem dedicated dedicated to a never 17 year old um, who was killed in Pittsburgh um, a year after Julian uh, named uh, Antoine Rose. He was killed by mm-hmm. a P- Pittsburgh police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because my father was from Pittsburgh and I have a connection there, like, and one of the things that happened when Antoine was killed, um, he had he had wrote a he had written a poem mm-hmm. and that poem had started being circulated widely, mm-hmm. and so I don't know I just felt this connection with this child I had never met him, um, but I know he was seventeen and he loved his mama, um, as was evident in everything he posted or how people knew him. Um, he was a good kid trying to figure things out, mm-hmm. and so um as most seventeen year olds are. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was just really connected. And then I again always looking for patterns. So I'm thinking about, you know, Trayvon Martin being seventeen years old when he was killed. And um so there's more than just like my own specific yeah. loss. Yeah. But just even our connectivity around what loss looks like, um, as humans, as people, and then specifically as black people and then, you know, as black women, as black mothers, like this book is, is, you know, addressing a lot of that.
1: How, how how are you managing or do you feel like you have expanded in compassion? You know, he didn't get in a car accident. You know, it wasn't a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Somebody took his life right, senselessly. Mm-hmm. You know, friends that were there. May have been irresponsible. You know, there was a lot of other people, Mm -hmm. um, and even your son's actions. You might be like, you know, why were you there? Why are you Mm -hmm. involved in that? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, there could be a lot of anger, Mm -hmm. and um. And you spoke to your with your son about you thinking that he was angry at you. Um, So how are you, and are you finding compassion? For yourself, for him, for the person that pulled the trigger, how has that process been?
2: No, I think the compassion part is, I mean, mostly I focus my compassion on, like, I, I think I'm just, I've been an angry black woman for a really long time. Like, mm-hmm. this world is, like, horrible um, in a lot of ways to us, and so... Um, I've always been trying to find, con- you know, ways that I can relieve that anger and work through it in different ways and understand it. Um, as far as the compassion piece, um, yeah, I mostly reserve my compassion. Like I have a lot, I practice a lot of self-compassion, mm-hmm. you know, I'm um, being very forgiving of myself and understanding of things that have happened over my lifetime and my role and, you know, being complicit in some of them and forgiving myself as well, you know, for some of it. Um, yeah, and I'm compassionate with other survivors mm-hmm. and folks that are looking for understanding, people that are still looking for permission to be able to to grieve, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, that's where I expend my compassion.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So I would like for you to share with folks, because um, there's people that have, have lost somebody. Mm-hmm. There's people unbeknownst to any of us who may lose somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted you, and you, you had a a piece in your book that you wanted to share that kind of like speaks to that, mm-hmm. navigating that loss, if you could share it.
2: Yeah, and I think before I read it, um, one of the, you know, I definitely realized I had to be intentional about the healing. Mm. Like I think sometimes we think that one day we'll just wake up and we'll be we'll be different. Mm. And sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Actually most times it will not work like that. Um so I realized like very quickly like I got into therapy like literally right away. Mm. And um, had you gone to therapy before? No, not Never. really. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. Um kind of always been like a, oh like I can kind of like Work through these yeah. things on my own, I know what I need to do, you know, I know I know what I need to do, right, um, my tired spirit, like oh, <laughs> like but eventually do it, and so, but this time, I was like, no, let me like i need I think I'm gonna need a little bit something more than just my own you know <laughs> my own uh words or thoughts. And so um, I went to therapy right away, and that definitely was um, was helpful. I think even just talking about it, mm-hmm. like just not hiding in that mm-hmm. pain um, and just being honest about how I feel. Mm-hmm. Are you still in therapy? I absolutely am. Yeah. I don't go as frequently as I um, was, but I definitely know like, like when I need to go. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. All well right, we'll share this with us, please. Okay. Take a moment to find it.
2: So, this um, this essay is titled April 11th. And the thing about April 11th is that, um, one, it's my father's birthday. But as coincidence would have it, that was the day that we went to court the first time. Mm. Um, and that was, I believe, the day when we... That was the day when we got the, the verdict back from the jury. Um, and so... I wrote this essay, Um, so I'm just kind of, because one of the things about grief is that sometimes it's so, like, it can take on so many shapes, and so um, I think I've just been trying to process that, like, so when my son joined my father and his great-grandmother who adored him in the beyond, I knew I would not survive if I did not touch the sadness within Child law slices you open and the hopes and the dreams you once had. Do not ask for your permission to be remembered. Left with deep fissures that won't cauterize in all places at once. Sometimes the mind is strong, conquering the pain while the body bends in torture. Sometimes the spirit is strong, but the mind wanders. The spirit trying to hum while holding it in place. Sometimes the spirit is weary, but the mind is sharp, and the body lets you drag it to the facing of grief. I have days when my heart is not weary, but my body is. And when I feel really, really good, the grief is whispering, remember what you lost. Remember what it cost. Grief is a haunting of ghosts you recognize. Grief is what was supposed to happen that never happened or didn't last and still we go on. On to live our shattered lives, our broken parts still capable of allowing space for light after it hits you that not tending to your pain because someone else has it worse than you is no cure for pain. Grief is disruptive. Grief is transformative. Grief is a reminder. Grief morphs and it changes and it stays the same and creates light and creates darkness. It does what it wants whenever it wants. Grief isn't a neat wound that you can simply be cleaned and dressed. Sometimes it feels like an aching numbness or the phantom pains that amputees describe. It may be a day that feels ordinary and peaceful and then am I, I am reminded of what sits at the center of my life. I learned that gratitude and self-compassion are not mutually exclusive. There might be only a thin degree of hope separating self-pity and self-compassion. Self-pity could be a focus on pain without accessing its potential transformative power. Self-compassion acknowledges the pain and attempts to work with it. Pain on its own lacks power, as every feeling does. We assign value to what is useful. I tell myself, this is yours. Own it. Shape it. Form it, but don't leave it alone because it's not going to leave you alone. Mm. I used to think that if I touched the sadness and destruction within me, that I will be unable to focus on anything else. Why are we afraid or uncomfortable with letting folks spend time with their sadness? Maybe if we were better at making space for others to tend to their wounds, they wouldn't have to walk around bleeding all over the street or spontaneously combusting when the pain becomes triggered, often by innocuous encounters." I've been quoted as saying that black people are more comfortable with an angry black... I'm sorry, I've been saying that people are more comfortable with an angry black woman than they are a sad black woman. But when I thought deeper, I realized that space for sadness is rarely afforded to black folks, regardless of gender, as it challenges beliefs about our humanity. Perhaps acknowledging our sadness might mean that the world would have to not only stop to make space for it, but address the very conditions that produce it. Yes, we are highly resilient, but that resilience comes at a cost we are the ones dying while being strong when grit isn't enough
1: thank you so i'm going to we're going to take a, a a very brief break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about your your your
2: healing process
1: I'm back with uh, Julia Mallory and we are talking about her most recent book Survivor's Guilt. Um and so what what brings you pleasure these days? What makes you happy? What makes you feel good? Sometimes just doing nothing. Mm. <laughs>
2: sometimes just doing nothing makes me that feel makes good. That makes me so happy. <laughs> like sometimes you're just like, that feels good. Um, I think what else makes me happy? Um, you know, when I have, like when, when I have days that are slow and I can just like take my time and mm. getting ready. Wearing bright colors makes me happy. She has a
1: beautiful peach on <laughs> peach combo right now.
2: Yeah, um, wearing bright colors makes me happy. Um, when my youngest son like says something that's shady, um, <laughs> knowing that he gets that like type of wit from me that makes me happy. Um, when my daughter is like having lengthier conversations with me, mm. she's also a teenager that make <laughs> that makes me happy. Um, you know, when I get to spend time with my significant other and we're like doing something fun yeah. or um that makes me happy. Um I love reading books like the books that I've written or other like children's literature to kids. Um What's
1: your favorite book? Favorite book. Or favorite author. Let's say that's because favorite when people author ask stuff, I'm is like, oh.
2: probably if I Mm, it's probably a, a mix, or I'm torn between probably Toni Morrison and and James Baldwin. Mm. Um, Tony, Tony, Tony. Yeah, maybe Audre Lorde. Like those are in my top. My favorite poet is Lucille Clifton.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I I I'm curious when I when I sit with or in your in your experience when I sit with. Um, even to go back with the poem you just shared, when folks face their sadness, mm-hmm. right? When they face that demon, when they sit in that darkness, it's not comfortable. And it doesn't feel good. And it feels... Um, it's, its It feels like you're not in control. It feels like it can feel chaotic even. Mm-hmm. How long... Do you have to sit with that and what why do you think that that is the process to to the other side and And you know what? and to be
2: honest, um I do want to say that I do think there is more than one way to kind of get mm-hmm. to it. I do believe like because sometimes I think quiet serves us in certain ways, like certain things we need to hear, um, but then sometimes I think that. It's possible for the healing to come in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also I'm not a I don't for me personally- of pers- course it doesn't have to be one way. Right, one right. way. But for me, like, yeah. So the quiet, I think just being able to hear my own thoughts, mm-hmm. just to be able to hear my own breathing, to hear my own heartbeat, to know like this is my body. Also just like these are my own feelings, right? Yeah. Like who am I when I'm not around other people? Mm. Who am I who am I? Like, like I said in that, you know, that black girl, um, quiet black girls poem. Who am I when the world is not trying to run interference on my thoughts? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, too, because we live such connected lives through social media a lot of times, um, or we're doing a thousand and one things, that sometimes we can lose sight of our own selves. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is it something that I care about or is it something that people have put on me that I'm supposed to find important? Mm-hmm. Um And even if it is something that I want to find important, how do I rank it in the list of all the other priorities that I have? And so I do think that quiet time, that reflective time
1: um, is necessary. necessary Because
2: I don't think you should just be in the pain and the shame and the tiredness and the sadness, like just nonstop, like give yourself a reprieve. But I do think like, being still sometimes just to be able to say, oh, wait, am I sad or am I actually angry, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is this anger or is this guilt? Mm -hmm. Like, because a lot of us were not raised to be, you know, um, to have all this emotional range, Mm -hmm. right? And so even that, I think, as an adult, really – And I don't feel like, I don't feel like my family robbed me of that. So I definitely don't want to speak like in that way. Like, oh, my family didn't let me like be these different things. But I know for a lot of us sometimes even just going through teenagers and all of that, like we, there's no practice, right? We try to like shut all that down Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And so just getting back to like, oh, wow, what am I actually feeling here? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I was triggered, but, like, why was I triggered? Mm-hmm. Like, was it really that person that did a thing? Or was it literally just this unprocessed thing or unresolved thing that I have about that person because of X? Like, I think that's really important.
1: And also feeling it in our bodies, too. Absolutely. Because we're so... And I've been f- I have been. I can definitely um, confirm this of, like, we, especially when you go, 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 you have mm-hmm. a lot of responsibilities, shit is happening mm-hmm. the the wheel is just spinning 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 what's that like the computer drone is just uh-huh. spinning spinning yeah. spinning you're gonna get so disconnected from your body and your body acts out like your body wants your attention so yeah. right when you just qu- take a moment yeah. it's like what the oh shit this is this is my back this is my Mm -hmm. my my body aches you know and then you can feel the pain but then from from me especially in my when I take baths I sit and I look at my body and I like admire it I Mm -hmm. sit with it and like I can do an energy scan and be like from head to my feet and like connect with it in ways that You just can't do when you're ripping and running, when you're talking, when you're watching TV, when you're looking on your phone, when you're distracted.
2: Right. That's why I definitely like dancing. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, when I have my time, I'll just put on my music and I'll just like dance in my room because I think just marveling at the way like the body can move Mm -hmm. and um, just being with it and like still like that. Like my body can do this. And the book I have this essay called Chasing Waterfalls Mm -hmm. that is biographical and I'm talking about like, my significant other and I, like, a month after my son passed, we went to this waterfall, and, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, even myself, like, I marveled at, like, oh, wow. Like, just for me, like, oh, wow, you can still experience pleasure. Like, you're not, like, dead. Like, you're not numb either. And I think so much of trauma gets us disconnected from our body. And so that's the, the biggest thing, like, we can't really connect to our bodies or inhabit it fully if we're constantly
1: denying the presence of certain things, um, which connects to an, uh, uh, a it connects to lifelessness. Right. right? It connects to go
2: circle always denies way back you of your humanity, of your
1: life. And so, yeah.
2: one of the things like I've been trying to, because um, you're like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't do this, or I can't be myself, and it's just like, well, we don't want to be in those spaces. Right. We don't want to be spending a whole lot of time intentionally with folks who don't allow us to be complex, who don't allow us to be like, ouch, that hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think. um, Yeah. So uh, I think that's just important, like for us to be able to
1: to just. To be able to even just hear ourselves. like Yeah, the quiet. I love yeah. that poem. I'm so happy that you chose that one. Um, there's some kids probably in the back. You can hear them screaming. Yeah, who, are so no, who are not so quiet. Who are being kids. They're expressing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um. So lastly, I wanted to kind of talk about what your relationship with God, spirit, mm-hmm. whatever it is, the almighty. I don't know what. What. Word you so give. I was raised um Baptist, and I
2: think so that part of like early influence like has never really left mm-hmm. me, but I don't know if I necessarily believe that there's just like this big God in the sky mm-hmm. that is a male you yeah. know that's a man yeah. like um
1: masculine energy yeah. yeah
2: masculine God um control of the energy of the universe. I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that um
1: What what has been your connection or not like this? I'm not implying. I'm just asking Mm -hmm. to something greater or guiding. I definitely have a belief in something,
2: some type of life force that is working for the good Mm -hmm. on our behalf. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I have not fully figured that out yet, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Um, You know, so, I like to think that that life force is is guiding and supporting and encouraging and um and working with us and through us um along with like the spirits of like our ancestors yeah. and um yeah, I think that's as as far as I pretty much am.
1: do you feel guided?
2: I do mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of ways, and um a lot of the work that I do a lot of times I tell people it comes from like these divine downloads, mm-hmm. like I feel like I just get this clear word on like mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: and then I try to do it. Amen. And you try to do it. And I try to do my work. <laughs> do the work. Yeah, hashtag do the work. Do the, the Judy has do has
1: an amazing work. t-shirt that says do your work. I have to get that in the stable. Actually, we need to talk about that to get off the phone. I mean, talk <laughs> off the talking. Um, so I I I thank you for sharing so much of yourself. Um, I think this is Important for all of us because, like you said, grief is universal um, and difficulty is universal. Right. But so is joy. Right. And so is like life. Right. And thank you for being an example of life and not just life, but like living. Um, Where can people find more about you. Where can people purchase your book? Aside from Sable, we're doing a pop-up. Yes, um, on April 11th. April 11th. So if you guys want to meet Julia in person and get her your book signed, then I recommend you come to Philly. Um, we'll share more information about that later on. But aside from that, tell us where people can find you on social media, website, all yeah. of the things.
2: So my website is blackmermaids.com. Um, All of my, you know, my boutique line of T-shirts are on there. All of my books, my children's books, um, all of my work is on that website at this point. And my social media, my personal account um, is The Julia Mallory. I'm on Instagram. Um, And on Facebook, it's Black Mermaid's book. Um, So people can.
1: Can people purchase your book on your website? Yes. Okay. Yep. Everything can be purchased on my website. Okay. Now, Julia, because you're on Around the Weight Curls, you have to complete our rapid fire questions. Okay. So the rapid fire questions, here are the rules. You have one answer and one answer only. Okay. You can't explain your answer. Is it like a one-word answer? Yeah. I'll okay. give you two options that you're going to pick. Um, so here we go. Malcolm or Martin? Malcolm. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Generational wealth. Jay or Nas? Jay. Mac or Sephora. Sephora. Palestine or Israel? Palestine. In the light or in the dark? In the light. Prince or Michael? Michael. Sweet or savory? Savory. Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Trader Joe's. Family or career? Family. A seat at the table or lemonade? Lemonade. Evolution or creationism? Evolution. Nikki or Cardi? Nikki. Missionary or doggy style? (laughs) Missionary. (laughs) Protection or pull out and prayer? Pull out and prayer. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I have three kids. (laughs) Lemonade. Oh, dang it. Is it one mic or is it Uchiwali. Uchiwali. Love Jones or Jason's Lyric? Love Jones. Sir or Rumi? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get rid of that one. <laughs> Sir. Make your own plate. Make your man his plate or get his own. Make my man his plate. Knuck if you buck or Annie up? Nuck if you buck. 9-11. Inside job or terrorist attack? Terrorist attack. Rihanna? Or Beyonce. Beyonce. Biggie or Pac? Pac. The philosophy of Killmonger or the Black Panther. Three seconds. Killmonger. (laughs) Money. Oh, excuse me. Love and light or money and dicks. (laughs) Love and light. (laughs) Julia, thank you so much for joining us. Again, everybody can follow her on all of her platforms. Um, Next week, Antoinette may or may not be back. Don't worry, we're not arguing. We're just having some logistical issues. (laughs) Um, And make sure to comment and subscribe. And we out. Thank you so much. You have just heard an Around Away Curls, John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Curls. We out early! <laughs> <laughs> very good.
0: Tomorrow may
2: never appear. You better hold this very moment. Very close to you right now. Very close to right now. So close to your
0: right now.